Welcome to Running Is Bullshit, I'm Stuart. And I'm Amy, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. Do you know what, I really love hating it this week as well. I went to the gym for the first time in like a month, and fucking hell. Oh my god. Well, I haven't been to the gym in about a month, so I think we've sort of swapped there, swapped lives. Yeah, when you're back there, you will regret it. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's happening tomorrow. Even when I run regularly, I hated it as well. So, it's, I don't know, there's no winning. I don't mind the gym when I actually go regularly. It's when I don't and you go back and it's just like, oh God, what well, And you just build it up again and then you oh. don't go and then you have to build it up again. It's this constant world of pain. Well, it's not running, so it's shit anyway, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And, it, and I know it's supposed to help in the long run, but it really just doesn't feel like it, does it? No, no, I know. But, well... I do find that I feel a bit better with my running when I go to the gym. I know that's not what people want to hear, that weight training actually works, but uh, oh, no. it, it kind of does. So what kind of bullshit have you put up with this week? Oh, I'm just, well, I'm very aware that my ultra marathon is, what, two weeks away now? You're running an ultra, Amy. You I, barely I am running mentioned an ultra, it. and I've spent more time talking oh. about it than training for it, basically. So it's, um, yeah. I've spent a lot of time this week worrying. I've spent some time running um, because yeah, I, that's fine. I haven't that's trained. Training. Well, I haven't trained as much as I should have for sure. So there's going to be a lot of walking. But yeah, that's been this week's bullshit. Is I've been googling how to run an ultra when you haven't really trained for it, and what's the minimum mileage you can do for an ultra, and things like that. <laughs> it's all up here. I'm pointing at my head, podcast listeners. It's the mental game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm training myself mentally to uh, sort of try and endure this. <laughs> Would you call yourself mentally strong, Amy? Um, probably not. <laughs> mentally vulnerable, emotionally weak. <laughs> wow, this is looking good then. Yeah, yeah. What about you? What sort of? Because um, you're usually you're reporting some sort of injury. So, what's the injury update? Uh, just the usual one. Though, I've got amazing news. This isn't bullshit at all. This is amazing news. I entered the Welsh Mini Golf Doubles Championship, and I finished third place. Oh, I think I watched that. On, I, I, I watched it on TV. I saw it. Um, it was on, you know, like, yeah, yeah. They, they shut down all the other programs, and they're like, newsflash, yeah, yeah. something's happening at the World Mini Golf Championship, whatever it was. It was yeah, it was on Transworld Sports at four yeah. in the morning. <laughs> That's a niche joke for a few people there. Um, yeah, I actually entered a thing. I've got a shit medal for it, but I actually won a medal. I'm so impressed by that. God, and you won a medal that you actually deserve rather than just the medals they give away at races. <laughs> yeah, it was me and SBC. We got best novice pair and we finished third place, which is pretty impressive. Mm. The team that won didn't beat us. We were the only team they didn't beat in the group stage. We're fucking brilliant. So this is your career now, I think. This is where... Yeah, fuck what, what are the sponsorships like in mini golf then? Uh, I've not had any offers yet. Mm. Though it was it was still quite difficult because, you know, you have to kind of do like... Think of like the tiniest squat you can imagine and you had to do that about 60 times. So, you know, that was kind of taxing. Oh, so you don't think about those sort of things, like the physicality. You, you more don't think know. about, you know, the skill, the timing of getting it through the windmill, but you don't think about the physicality yeah. of having to do that squat over and over again. There wasn't a windmill, but there was a shark. Oh, well. Oh, and and speaking of injuries on that, I sunburned myself ridiculously. I was out on the beach for like six hours to put any sun cream on. Check out my head at the moment. Yeah, that's, yeah, disgusting. I've had a great day peeling skin off my scalp. It's terrific. 
Lovely. See, I would have thought the sunburn would have happened at the mini golf. I could imagine that sort of place, that sort of injury happens. So there we go. There's my mini golf update. I've done a bit of running. It was shit. There we go. That was easy. So this is going to be the next podcast now. Mini golf is bullshit. <gasps> mini golf is... No, mini golf is life. So is there, is there sort of a mini golf um, following? Were there fans there? <laughs> Well, the, the guys we played that didn't beat us, who went one tournament, one of them is the British number 14, and one of them is about to make his debut for Team GB. So Team GB? You know, pretty in what, big. In what context, though? What I'm assuming it's not an <laughs> Olympic context. It's not an Olympic contest, no, but there is a British team. Right. <laughs> oh, this is, I need to investigate this, the world of mini-golf. I think this is fascinating. Okay, let's talk about running for a change. Uh, to catch up on the last episode, now the London Marathon back-of-the-pack runners have received a survey from the organisers asking them to give feedback. Uh, our friend Liz got a personal response to her email and was actually quite encouraged by it. It was quite a decent personal response she got from uh, Hugh Brasher, who is the race director for London Marathon. They're saying they're going to do an investigation which will take about till the end of June. So I guess they are looking into it. They seem to be saying the right things at this stage. Yeah, I, I, my first reaction to this was that must be a bit frustrating to have a survey sent because you've already sort of voiced these complaints. It's been very public. But at the same time, it sort of suggests they're trying to organise some sort of formal investigation if they're correlating yeah. into a survey. So I, I suppose that is a positive uh, step forward by the sounds of it. But it's whether things will change next year, we'll be able to tell whether it's actually... Uh, making changes at all yeah yeah that is the most important thing we'll have to see what comes out of it over summer and if they announce anything that they're changing and then yeah of course if it changes next year still don't want to do the london marathon though uh let's move on to our tweets now first of all we've got a good story here from max carnage at dr g have we had have we had max carnage on before uh yes we have mentioned that name i think yeah i do i do recognize the name he sounds like the uh arch nemesis of um oh yeah of, of hope virgo yes yeah max carnage dr g and oliver primus yeah the, oliver uh, primus arch nemesis. <laughs> and he shared a tale of shoulder checking a highgate harridan which i think is a lovely word mm. and for some reason it makes me want to read it like this one of those infuriating situations when a person decides to stop at the point where the pavement is narrowest, virtually blocking the entire route. As I approached up Highgate Hill's steepest portion, she seemed to sense my approach, but rather than clear a space, filled it. What made it worse was as I attempted to pass by by threading the needle of the small space she had left me, some perverse instinct caused her to step into my path. Nevertheless, I managed to get by with only glancing contact. It was an unintentional shoulder check, Your Honour. However, by the look of shocked outrage on her face as I glanced back and raised an apologetic hand, you'd have thought that I'd asked to take an urban wild shit in her handbag. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Ooh, I got into that. That was nice. I like that. And that was all through tweets. That's several tweets worth. That's poetry, Max Carnage. You're, whatever your that day was job beautiful. is, if you're not, you know, writing plays, you're wasted. Yeah, I'm I'm visualising him as kind of a, a Victorian kind of supervillain with like yeah. a top hat and a cane. Yeah, very steampunk. He writes it with a quill or something, you know. Yes, yes, there we go. Fantastic. A tweet from Chris Whitmore, at Chris underscore Whitmore. Getting a tick bite on the already injured leg and now obsessively worrying that I'm going to get Lyme disease and write off the rest of the year. That's bullshit. That is bullshit. Yeah. I'm always, um, I've never had a tick bite, but whenever I'm in a field where there's a risk, sometimes you see signs of don't you saying um, beware of tick bites. Yeah, I'm always quite worried about that because Lyme disease is it's nasty, isn't it? It can really sort of damage your running. Yeah, RIP Chris, I think. 
Thank you for listening. We appreciate all the support you've given us. But, uh, you know, just your time. Oh, dear. <laughs> Hopefully you're okay, Chris. Um, I'm sure it's fine. Uh, maybe go to the doctor if you, you know, rather than you, rather than tweet us. <laughs> That'd be the first port of call, really. <laughs> AK at SAK 223-20703. Catchy name. That's why I did that one, because you would not cope with that. No, 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 no. I can't cope with, I can't cope with reading... Yeah, I can't cope with reading the words, let alone a long string of, of numbers. Well, they said, seeing the sun, grabbing a pair of shorts to wear on your run, but paying the price of not choosing running shorts, then having to deal with friction burn from said shorts on inner thigh, now walking like I've pooped myself. So that they wore the shorts? Why would you not wear running shorts to go running in? Oh, I see. Grabbing a pair of shorts to wear on your run. So they've grabbed a pair that weren't actual running shorts, which is why they've... Why, why would you do that? What's wrong with you? I mean, running shorts can also chafe. So, but I, you know, were they were they jorts? Were they jean shorts? That would be some nasty yeah. chafing if that was the case. Yeah, come on, SAK two two three two zero seven zero three. Why and you wear just wear shorts? Wear proper running shorts, you weirdo. Sort it out. Sort it out. Sort your life out. <laughs> now this this Twitter handle and name's interesting. Well done at well underscore duns. They say getting well duns when you don't even do that well. That's bullshit. Was this Twitter account created just to tweet us with that? Uh, no, I believe this Twitter account is calling out well dones that aren't deserved, which right. I respect as a niche area. In running, in particular? Uh, just generally, I think. <laughs> oh, that's quite sad, though, because everyone deserves a well done. <laughs> oh, my God. No, no, come on. When you're doing someone, I was going to say when you're a park run, but obviously you're never a park run. But when you're just out on a run somewhere, you're feeling like complete shit, and someone goes, "Well done." I'm like, "Fuck off." Yeah, I'm not doing well. It depends. I I think I do deserve the well done. Like anyway, for getting out of bed. But it's, it's just because you're full it, of yourself. Yeah, yeah. I just I just like to have a bit of validation in life and anything. Um, but it's the way people say it sometimes. So that's my issue. But. Oh, we don't even do that well. That's sad. That's sad. Well done. Yeah, I think well done. If they're dedicating the whole Twitter account to that, I think they need to go see a therapist. Just have someone to talk to because that's sad. Are you okay? Well, mate, done? we've got a podcast that complains <laughs> about our hobby. What? Are you, how are you judging this? Come on. I think it's sad that they don't think that they can be, you know, told well done. I think that's sad. Everyone deserves a well done. Well done. Well done. You're, you're running a, a lovely Twitter account anyway. But I'm sure you won't appreciate the, the world on that. Harry B at underscore not Mr. Brown underscore. Listening to running is BS on my run this afternoon when I just about hear a rumbling sound. Turn around and these fuckers were chasing me. Seriously bullshit. And there is a lovely image there. I got so This is a beautiful image yeah. of a field, uh, with lots of flowers in the field, but with a shitload of cows right behind this person as well. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about this image because it is a beautiful image. Like, it's almost Renaissance in its composition. You could hang it, it on a country, you know, the walls of a country manor. Uh, but yeah, that is yeah. terrifying. I would shit myself. <laughs> There's a lot of cows there, to There's be fair. A lot of cows. I think the cows who just wanted to have a run. They just wanted to join in, see what was know. going on. Where are we going? The one at the front looked a bit menacing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn my back on it. I hope you survived, yeah. Harry B. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and literally bullshit going on there. <laughs> Dan Yarwood, parentheses, A295111, close parentheses, uh, at rrunner14. So Dan says, 
foam rollers. Now that's bullshit. So I spend good money on something to inflict the kind of pain I'd expect from a despot's torture chamber on myself. It nearly made me cry. Quad is better though. Oh, quad on a foam roller. That is nasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I used to make um, running videos, and I did one about one of my early ones was about foam rollers, and that one did quite well, I think, for me. It was like a couple of thousand views on that, and I had lots of people locally that kind of knew that video. It was quite impressive. It was about how shit foam rollers actually are, because all the foam roller videos on YouTube are like this 21-year-old uh, yoga instructor from California, and saying, oh, and you just glide up and down on the foam roller, and everything just loosens, and it's perfect, and they've got this beautiful house, and it's all amazing, and they just look like really effortlessly. And so I did it, and I just screamed all the way through it, and swore. Because that's a lot more realistic about what fucking foam rollers are. Pretty much, yeah. David Sinclair, at Cardiff underscore Dave, says, just catching up on running his BS whilst on the train to work, grinning like a fool remembering Paul dramatically falling off a cliff, as described brilliantly by AA Genders. That's me. Uh, That is a crying with laughter emoji, three thumbs up emojis, what a day, and then three crying with laughter emojis. That, it it made the day, that made the day, basically. It was it, did, yeah. it was fantastic. I wish that could have been captured. It was funny because I was making a, um, as I usually do, I was doing an Insta story, filming an Insta story right before he fell. Classic so, games. Oh, God, if that had been just a few seconds earlier or me a few seconds later, I would have captured the moment. But alas, it just exists in my memory now. If you don't know what we're talking about, listen to the last episode. Mm. Got to catch up. Uh, our friend Paul fell off a cliff and it was hilarious. <laughs> bullshit. Bullshit. Running news. <laughs> we all know all world records for the fastest X distance in Y costume is utterly fucking pointless. But Guinness have really managed to outdo themselves with the decision to not uphold a record attempt by a nurse who was running dressed as a nurse. She had the gall, you'll not believe this, Amy, the gall to run in an actual nurse's uniform of scrubs and trousers, which Guinness said was too similar to previous records dressed as a doctor, which wear roughly the same thing. Because if men wear it, it's a doctor. If a woman wears it, it's a nurse. That's how it works. Um, If she'd have actually run in some gross, faux, sexy nurse uniform, the record would have stood. So if she'd have been in one of those fucking Halloween nurse costumes, that would have been a nurse's uniform. That would have been fine. Her actual uniform didn't count. You will be glad to know that Guinness have seen what an own goal this was. They've awarded her the record and they've actually now suspended the future record attempts Uh, until they can update their guidelines on what a nurse's uniform actually is in 2019. Um, So hopefully, to me, what they'll do is they'll just get rid of all the costume records because that'll be easier. I'm just astounded. I mean, what are their guidelines at the moment? Well, those little white hats with like a red cross on and... I I literally think that's it, yeah. And like a little mini skirt and yeah, yeah, low-cut top. Yeah. That's what nurses wear. Do you reckon so like they saw the images and they were looking at them and they were like, this is not a nurse. Like, what's that? I can hardly see her figure. <laughs> like, she's can barely see any of her skin. <laughs> oh, God. Awful. And the, the fact that it's, um, they think it's too similar to doctors. It's like, yeah, they both work in hospitals, so they have to wear stuff that's conducive to working in that environment and not spreading yeah. um, things. And, and yeah, of course, they're going to look similar. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, what it highlights is how fucking stupid all the records are. Just yeah, get rid of them. Yeah. Get rid of them I mean, and if Holby City is anything to go by, like, don't doctors normally wear, like, shirts and stuff anyway? They're not, you know, sometimes they're not even in scrubs. So, 
She looks more like a God. nurse than a doctor. Well, Amy, if you've missed out on the London Marathon this year, uh, well, don't worry, because finishers medals, T-shirts and timing chips, they're on eBay. You can just buy them. Some medals were being sold before the race had even ended. Um, so what is worse, do you think, selling your medal or buying your medal? God, I think buying one, because selling one, you can kind of think, right, some people aren't into medals. Some people just chuck them away, give them to their kids, whatever, when they finish with a race. So they probably think, you know, I know, I can make some money out of this, whatever, weird thing to do. But buying one, what do you want it for? Like, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Like, say you've run the London Marathon when you haven't, that's absolutely mad. Like, why would you want one? I think that's the weird bit. Like, yeah. selling one, yeah, some that's people really weird. just want a bit of money from it, you know? Perhaps they've lost them, perhaps they got stolen, perhaps something happened, but fucking hell, but... Before the race, like getting home, having a shower, stick the medal straight on eBay. That's people's priorities. That's really bizarre. Right, I get to do a little jingle now. Hey. It's the Amy Genders, Gender Agenda. Da, 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 da. Don't upstage me with these jingles because you can't. This is the one thing I have on this podcast that I can actually do. <laughs> that I'm can gonna, you? Yes, that people, you know, if I don't do it, people are like, where's, where's Amy's beautiful voice, you know? <laughs> Were they? Yeah, I've had I've had compliments on it. <laughs> Have you? Yeah, a few. <laughs> Olympian Alicia Montano has spoken out against Nike and other sports companies who don't have any form of maternity leave and stop paying women who get pregnant. So Nike's contracts say they can stop pay for any reason um, if the athlete doesn't meet a specific performance threshold, for example, um, a top five world ranking. And there are no exceptions for childbirth, pregnancy or maternity. The five-time US champion Montano became known as the pregnant runner after racing 800 metres while eight months pregnant in uh, two minutes, 32 seconds. Three years later, she ran two minutes, 21 seconds whilst five months pregnant. It's also been revealed that the United States Olympic Committee and USA Track and Field can stop health insurance if athletes aren't at the highest level. Well, athletes, mostly kind of top athletes, are getting paid by Nike or Adidas or someone like that um, to perform rather than prize money because there's very, very little money otherwise in athletics. Um, Part of the contract there, they say they can just stop it any time they want. Mm -hmm. So if you get pregnant, you obviously have to stop, stop running at some point. They just cut you off. And also... Then the Olympic Committee, USA Track and Field, they they all stop your health insurance, which in America is a huge deal. If you're pregnant and you have to stop running, they just cut your health insurance because you're not attaining those kind of times anymore. I'm sure they can have... Would that be able to happen in the UK? Because would our employment laws around discrimination and stuff kick in or other type of contracts they're being offered means that it's not covered by that? I think things are different in America, aren't they? I, I think there's less protection around things like that around discrimination, around pregnancy. It would depend very much on the contract, I guess. Mm. If the contract is dependent on performance, then perhaps not. If it's, it's mm. kind of a, I don't know if it would be like a self-employed kind of thing or some a sponsorship deal. If you're paid to do a particular job, such as win these races, and you don't do it, tough shit. It's stupid, though, because... Nike brand themselves, or they have in the past, as you know, that whole everyone's an athlete. If you've got a body, you're an athlete. Well, except from if that body is pregnant, then suddenly you're not an athlete. It seems a bizarre move by them. I I understand they sponsor elites, and that's you know, when you watch a road marathon or whatever, everyone's or a track event, most people are wearing Nike um, shoes, but at the same time, they're also very keen around all this 
everyone's an athlete type thing. So it just seems a bizarre choice. Yeah, they came out with this great video actually about female athletes and highlighted all of their best athletes. And I think Montagna was actually in that video, but it turns out that they didn't pay her, you know, while she was pregnant. But she went to the US Championships, eight months pregnant, and did 800 metres. Mm. She did it in 2.32 at eight months pregnant. It's yeah. fucking incredible. Yeah, exactly. So you'd want to... I think it's, it should be about saying, you know, even when this person's pregnant, so obviously they're not going to be performing at their absolute peak, they're still performing pretty bloody well for someone who's pregnant. Yeah. Well, she kind of went there to make a point, really, and she did it again a few years later. But then after she'd had the baby and was racing again she she literally had tape on her stomach to keep her abs together because they'd obviously torn while she was pregnant so she had, literally had to tape herself up and strap herself up to stop herself ripping more so she could carry on running and keep earning money and surely that's in line with nike's whole brand about you know um going against yeah. expectations and pushing herself and all those sorts of things it just seems you would think bizarre, so bizarre up next a story that definitely isn't funny Elijah Godwin, a freshman 400 meter and 200 meter sprinter at the University of Georgia, ran into a javelin and punctured his lung. <laughs> Not funny. He was doing backward strides when he impaled himself on a stationary javelin sitting on a rack. The javelin went through his back to puncture his lung. He was rushed to hospital, but according to CBS, he underwent surgery and is expected to make a full recovery. So it's okay to laugh, even though it's not funny. That's nasty. I remember in school we were told we couldn't wear earrings when throwing javelins in case it ripped an earlobe out, but that's like a whole other <laughs> thing. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, the javelin has to be close to your face as you launch it, so yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A very safety conscious. But they didn't advise us not to be doing um, backward strides near stationary javelins, so. You would think that's common sense, not to do run backwards while there are javelins knocking around. You'd think, yeah, yeah. So you're saying he deserved it? yes <laughs> he's not gonna listen i don't care get well soon <laughs> and finally in chinese running news because this has become love a, a bit of chinese uh, running it's, news it's become a regular feature this because there's a lot of absolutely sort of, uh, mad things happening so a marathon official has been banned for a year after he directs an elite marathon runner away from the finish line of the Qingdao international marathon nearly changing the outcome of the race he was right at the front a few seconds ahead and the uh the lead car kind of pulled off uh, the track about 400 yards from the end. Mm. And so the runner just followed and obviously had to be then uh, shouted at to get back on the right track and go on to win the race. But I just love this because an official's been banned. I've never heard of a marathon official being banned from a race rather than a runner. No, no, I know. I know. They, they've taken that really seriously. Like, <laughs> Jesus. But then I suppose, yeah, he's not done his job. <laughs> Uh, if you see any bullshit running news, or especially any Chinese bullshit running news, we definitely always want to hear about it. <laughs> Amy, the story of the week. From Runner's World, headline, what happens to your body if you eat 1,000 extra calories a day for nearly a week? It turns out you get fatter and more unhealthy. Oh, spoiler alert. Amazing. Who would have... Th- oh, thank goodness this article has been written. How many words... They made people eat words- extra calories was this article Sorry? how many words was this article uh it was a few hundred words and it was based on a, a very small study of people eating more for a week and some people eating more for a month as it turns out they put on weight who f- wow who funded this study like who who gets that research proposed and think yeah we need to actually take you know undertake empirical research to understand this like you don't need to you don't need to do that just it, you know <laughs> You don't. You don't. Oh, we know. God. We know. 
Thanks, Runners World. Thanks. <laughs> Today's guest is Mika Moore. She is a Welsh runner and a bobslayer and has competed at the Commonwealth Games and the Winter Olympics, as well as becoming the world junior bobsleigh champion with her partner, Mika McNeil. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, and, and I like the fact that you just called us both Mika because that puts me up on the tally. So uh, we've got a Misha and a Mika. I'm Mika, Ooh. obviously. And, uh, but they're spelled and, the same. Yeah, they are spelled the same. It's just there to confuse everyone. <laughs> I bet you get it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that puts me up in the tally, so it's perfect. Okay. Well, your, yours is clearly the correct way. Yes, obviously. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. So you're probably pretty much the properest proper runner we've had on here. So I'm really excited to talk to you. And also as a sprinter as well, that's kind of a whole thing that me and Amy really don't know much about other than watching it on TV. So that's a whole new angle of bullshit for us to delve into. So first of all, perhaps we'll just get into that kind of really interesting bit now. Anyone who's seen Cool Runnings will know just how straightforward it is for sprinters to become bobsledders. How did that happen for you? Um, It was a little bit more of a tricky process for me. Um, I actually didn't really know about bobsleigh until I was in a bobsleigh. Um, and I think that's a little bit too late to learn. Um, <laughs> I went to the Commonwealth Games in 2014 um, in Glasgow. And running was going really, really well for me. And I was thinking, oh, my God, in 2015, I'm going to run so fast. And this is great. Um, my career is going so well. But I came down with a virus. And that sort of just wiped out two seasons worth of um, athletics, which sucked really bad. And when you're not running so well, there's nothing you can really do about it. And then, you know, if the um, times aren't there, then the sort of governing bodies don't sort of, they're not like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, they want time. So um, it was really difficult for me and it was a difficult time to go through. Um, But I had a friend in the Bobsay team. I say he's a friend. I'm not sure he's so much of a friend now after he, what he's put me through. But um, <laughs> he he said that um, so with this virus, I'd put on a bit of weight and I couldn't really I, I was getting really bad cramps and sort of lactic acid after 30 meters, which is, you know, I'm a sprinter, but that's very crazy. Not ideal, yeah. yeah. And uh, he said, you know, you can't run as far. You're a little bit heavier. You're the perfect bobslayer. So why don't you come <laughs> along for uh, some trials? and see how you do. So I went along uh, down to Birmingham and that was in July of 2016. And by September, I'd done some more testing and I was heading out to Calgary on ice. And it was it was such a quick turnaround. Um, I didn't really have time to think about what I was getting myself into. But um, the, the, the job that I have in bobsleigh is as a brake woman. And it's actually a really cool job. Um, I love the start of a bobsleigh race. I love that bit. Um, I don't really like the rest of it. I keep my eyes closed for the rest of it. But um, no, the, the start of it, putting all that power and speed into the sled is you just feel like superhuman. I assume there's a lot more upper body strength you need to do for bobsleigh compared to running as well. Yeah, that's something I hadn't really done previously. Um, and my dad is my coach, so he loved it. He was just like, yeah, we need to get you on the bench and like pull-ups. Yeah. And I was like, no, dad, I'm still a girl. I don't want to be too, <laughs> like, I want to still fit in my dresses. But in fairness, I've always had, I've done gymnastics from when I was younger and I've always had a certain level of upper, upper body strength. So it was just homing in on it a little bit more. So the bit you like of bobsleighing is the first, what, four or five seconds? <laughs> yes, probably. Yeah, probably the most 
the most it probably goes up to is about 5.9 seconds and then the rest of it is absolute hell (laughs) 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 um it's i don't know i think i've met one person in bobsleigh that it just lives for it and she's a break woman and she absolutely loves it she's in the changing room she's american so obviously she's a very vocal and just she's always just like yeah let's bobsleigh and I I would rather just go on the push track and just push which is yeah. uh but no it's it's a crazy sport and when you get to the bottom of the run it's you, you have this sort of euphoria and it is really like oh I could do it again and you well you have yeah. to do it again because it's two runs in a race but <laughs> it sounds but no, like a bit like a roller coaster like when you're on it it's like ah and then we get to the end it's like oh I do it again <laughs> yeah so this is the thing I hate roller coasters I I'll go to Oakwood and I'll go on treetops. I won't go on anything anything too fast. I'm not a mo- megaphobia sort of person. Yeah, I'm a real scaredy cat when it comes to heights, roller coasters, anything like that. So I don't know how I got you did myself. Bobsleigh at the I Winter know. Olympics. How can you say that? <laughs> I don't know how I got myself into this situation, but but I, I I also think I'm an extremely competitive person, and there was two, there was one spot up for grabs at the Olympic Games and. Um, I wanted that spot so yeah I think my competitiveness overruled my my scaredness. <laughs> World Junior Bobsleigh Champ was that was that your first competition? Um, so it wasn't my first competition it was within our first year of competition so me and Misha started working together probably in September when I headed out to Calgary and the World Junior Championships was probably in about February, which is a really short space of time for a pilot and a break woman to work together. Um, it's all to do with timing, and, and I'm not sure how, how much you know about the start of Bobsleigh, but you work together at the start to get the sled moving, and then Misha will hop in, and I'll carry on pushing for a little bit while, a uh, little while longer. So yeah, it's, it is really about working together and having that, that uh, team bonding. Um, which we seem to seem to get I mean we have the same name so how could we not have a team bond but yeah exactly yeah (laughs) we seem to we seem to get that really quickly and and it was something that came to us naturally so when we went to the world uh, junior champs it was a track that Misha had already raced at and knew very well and we we felt comfortable with each other so we just we just enjoyed it and it it worked out really well wow so congratulations on that now, the next bit, I know it is going to push Amy's buttons. I know a lot of our listeners are going to uh, love this as well, because the kind of thing we've, we've talked about a lot on this podcast is kind of uh, the way different genders are treated in sport as well. So, Amy, <laughs> do you want to crack on with this next part? Oh, yeah. So, um, so reading up, I read about your funding being withdrawn um, to fund only male teams, despite you being more successful. So yeah. just how bullshit is that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, I always find this such a, it's it's a terrible time. It was a terrible time for us. So yeah, we we won the World Junior Championships and then we went back to training over summer. Um, it was around two weeks before we were due to go out onto our Olympic campaign season, mm. and we got called into the office and they said, "Oh, I'm really sorry, we're going to have to cut your funding. There's been an overspend, and we will only be funding the men." So as a group of girls, obviously we weren't going to take it lying down it is really difficult because the guys are great guys and you Mm. obviously want them to be funded as well but you you kind of want to be on that plane so and (laughs) Um, it was it was was three men's teams wasn't it yeah so it was a really awkward situation and um we I just remember thinking like oh god I've 
done all this and now I'm not even going to get to do my dream. And um, we, we sat down as a team and because there is five girls in the team. Um, Misha, there was another pilot at the time. Um, who was learning to drive and then around three or four break women and we all sat down and we, we discussed what we could do and the difficulty is that Misha sled had qualified for the Olympics Misha had qualified for the Olympics as part of that sled it was just the break women's spot that needed to be filled and it was um, a few races that need to be needed to be raced to prove that she could still go to the Olympic Games so mm. So it was a really difficult moment realizing that you might be fundraising for um, a team that you potentially wouldn't be a part of, um, which I think was why I was so determined to get that spot. And, and that really, I think, really helped with my motivation in that season. Um, yeah, because I, I, I mean, Again, I didn't want to put in that work and put in that funding for some for another girl to go or for me to be the spare and just be stood on the side cheering them on. Mm. Obviously, every team needs um, a spare and someone just in case, but you don't want to be that person. So, mm. yeah, it was it was a really difficult time, but I think it also gave us a really good focus to sort of take our attention off the Olympic Games in a way. And um, and then, yeah, when it came around, it was almost just like, well, we've got through all these difficult times to get here. So, yeah, it was just like you could just enjoy it then. And, and yeah, it was kind it was a bit bullshit that it happened <laughs> to answer your question in a long winded yeah. way. But I think that it made our journey even better because we had such a great story behind us. And like yeah. in a way, like even though they tried to get rid of us, we were still there, but even bigger than they could have ever imagined. So you had the crowdfunding instead? Yeah, so we set up a crowdfund, uh, crowdfunding page and it raised £30,000 in six days, which was, yeah, like I remember we, Misha set up the page and I remember just checking it one day and being like, oh God, that's gone up a lot. And then, <laughs> and then the next thing it was like on 20000 and then I was just, I was at training one evening and that's when it hit the 30000 I just kept refreshing it every five minutes on my recovery. But yeah, it was, it was insane. That's kind of an incredible amount of money in so short because, you know, women's bobsleigh is not the biggest sport. But I guess it was that story behind it and the fact you were being defunded that just kind of motivated a lot of people and probably you know pushed their buttons as well to kind of, well, you know, let's let's prove them wrong. Yeah, well, like, so, yeah, obviously women in sport is massive at the moment and gender equality. And I think that had it happened maybe four years ago, we may have we may not have got the same sort of support that we had. And I think that what could have been like a terrible time for us turned into such like a fairy tale moment in a way and um it really helped us on our journey to to the games so with that money you entered a competition and finished fifth so showing you're obviously pretty handy in the bobsleigh and you were <laughs> then actually chosen well i've got down here you were chosen for the olympics so did they kind of take you back on then and fund you no 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 so we we never regained our funding in the olympic year we just used the funding that the public um gave to us and once you are at the olympic games obviously you don't need to spend anything else then mm. all all that is covered for so 
yeah, the, the public's funding helped us massively. I mean, we were able to, the usual amount of, uh, the usual funding that Bobsay goes to is spread so thinly that you have to stay in horrible, like, hotels and share beds. And we were able to get apartments, cook good food. And I think that really helped us. Like, mm. like you say, we came fifth in one of the World Cup races on one of the hardest tracks in the world. And, like, I, I really think that that funding helped us do that. Um because we were able to just make sure our nutrition was on point, be able to um, get massages and, and um, speak to physiotherapists in different countries. So, yeah, it, oh, it was massive help. And then from there, you went to the Olympics and you finished eighth, which is the best <laughs> ever finish by a female crew. Yes. And I'm so glad you know the result because the other day I told someone ninth and they were like, isn't it eighth? And I was like, oh, God, I don't know. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was eighth. And it was it was I couldn't have hoped for anything better. I think we were sitting Incredible. in sixth overnight and um, we didn't we turned off our social media for like the whole uh, weekend of racing. Um, so like we didn't know what anyone was saying, but afterwards a few people were like oh my god you were in sixth and you were this far off a medal aren't you gutted that you didn't get a medal and I was like absolutely not like oh. we did like you like eighth is more than we would have wanted I think we sort of spoke to each other beforehand and we were like a double digit figure like we wanted a tenth um so eighth was yeah it was very nice <laughs> well congratulations that's amazing the Olympics eighth and Olympics after not expecting to be there at all is absolutely incredible mm -hmm. So perhaps if we rewind a little bit now and talk a bit more about the, the running and the sprinting in particular. Yeah. So I was looking up and um, it says here your, your mother was the Welsh Masters <laughs> 100 and 200 metre champion. At the same time, you were the under 17 yeah. 100 and 200 metre champion. And as, as you said before, you're coached by your father. So what is it like working with your family and having such a sprinting orientated <laughs> family? Yeah, um, some people probably think it's a little bit crazy um I'm an only child so I am very close to my parents anyway when I started I started running down in Newport Harriers and my mum was taking me down every night and then she was just she's a bit of a copycat my mum if my dad orders steak at a restaurant she'll order steak um but <laughs> she she saw that I was training and she just thought oh I'll just join in and she she was an athlete when she was younger but she wasn't able to carry on with it she she um had me annoyingly and then carried on with work <laughs> so so it was nice for her to get back involved and she actually did really well and it was really nice to be able to watch her competing but yeah unfortunately she doesn't she doesn't train anymore because it was just tearing every hamstring and every muscle in her body yeah. um she couldn't keep up with it but working with dad has been really really good I mean he's done an all right job yeah he's done okay I think he? I'll keep him on for another year yeah, he, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he uh, I've worked with him probably close to 10 years now nice. um I had a few coaches beforehand and I when I was growing up I was quite shy and when I first started athletics I was really shy and I used to work with coaches and I probably wouldn't have felt comfortable to tell them if I was tired or if I was a bit sore from another session and with my dad I probably don't even have to tell him that he'll just know mm. um so I find that really handy <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think that my mum, because she can't train anymore, she likes to be involved in some in some sense or in some way. Um, so she calls herself my momager now, and she's sort of the Chris Jenner of the family, and just sorts out all the uh, all of that side of things. Um, any any planning that needs to be done for anything, she's on that. So so she's still involved. 
Okay. So what's um what's sprint training like then? Because the most sort of speed sessions I do is once a week at the most, and even then I hate it. Yeah. So what sort of sessions do you usually do for sprint training? Um, so my week is set up um, predominantly for short sessions. So, and I, whenever I speak to anyone who does sort of distance running, a short session to them is not the same as a short session to me. Mm. Um, so on a Monday we do starts um, and a little bit of speed. So that'll be like starts to thirty meters out of blocks, which sprinters love. Like thirty meters is the optimum range that I would like to run to but um and then we do some 120s after that and not the other day my dad uh he he filmed a video of me and my training partner Ash dying on the floor after three 120s which I'm very embarrassed to say yeah <laughs> we were lying on the floor and couldn't get up um on a Tuesday it's some tempo runs over 100 meters I never tend to run any more than 150 and that's just something that I've learned over a few years that mm. I don't know whether I've just pulled on my dad's heartstrings and been like oh no I couldn't possibly run 300 meters I, I can't so <laughs> we've sort of we've, we've tailored the training to suit uh, my body and and I am a I am a power athlete I would say mm. um so yeah I, I do tend to sort of do more like plyometric and weight based training and short sprints than than sort of slogging it out over 300 meters if I can say slogging I don't know slogging it out over 300 meters it's uh, yeah, it's not that, that is... far <laughs> well yeah but when you're running at that intensity it's pretty nasty yeah yeah exactly so so I I think over the years we found that maybe in the winter a Monday session might be 200 meters uh, for 200 meters rather than the blocks and the shorter stuff but I mean, on a Thursday, then I'll do some 80s um, and maybe build up to like nine, 80 metres. And then a Saturday is quite a big session where we do starts to 60 metres and uh, and some 150s. So it's it's quite a lot of running in the week, um, but we get quite a fair bit of recovery between the reps as well, which which sprinters do need. Yeah, do you so ever run like longer distances a bit slower just for you know <laughs> just for fun just to relax I I have never thought to myself I, I did one time and I went for a jog around the short loop by my house it probably took about five minutes and I got back and I was so worried that I was going to die um my <laughs> my heart rate, my heart rate was through the roof I was sweating I'm just not I'm not a jogger it's uh, <laughs> it's something that I've never really gone into that was one of the questions I was going to ask there. What's the furthest you've actually run? I think you've just answered that. So five minutes is, is the longest you've ever run for. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, <laughs> I mean, I remember I can remember back to school and I remember our PE teachers when we first went into year seven saying, oh, you're going to have the Coopers run. And I remember getting my dad to write me a letter to say that I couldn't do that. So that, <laughs> Isn't that, that's that 12, 12 minutes? Min- yeah, yeah. And I just thought, <laughs> you had to get thought a of note. that. <laughs> the thought of that was just horrid so I, le- I left everyone else do that I sat on the side uh, when our club uh, was based out of one of the Nike stores uh, our former coach who you probably know was Charlotte Wingfield who is the oh, yeah. the Maltese 100 and 200 meter record holder she, she used to do our Wednesday sessions which were the, the sprint sessions but she once came and did 5k with us it took her 45 minutes and she thought she was going to die yeah it's sprinters. the funniest thing I've ever seen Anything in trainers is dangerous to a sprinter. <laughs> uh, so what, what is the worst session? What's the kind of the hardest session you've had to do or something that pops up and you just dread? Um, 
Well, I, I recently just got back from Tenerife, so I don't, I don't know if you guys would do this, but like a bit of warm weather training. Um, We're not that good. <laughs> so, oh. That's what I say when I go on holiday. Oh, I'm going to do warm weather training. <laughs> I'm just yeah. running like in Lanzarote or whatever, you know. <laughs> so um, that, that session that I spoke about with the uh, building up to nine um, 80s, I tried to do out in Tenerife. Mm. And um, I ran the first one and I thought, oh, this, okay, it's quite warm out here and it, it feels, yeah, it's a bit harder than back home. And I got to the third one and my vision started closing in. <laughs> I sound so pathetic as an athlete, but it started closing in and I went and sat in the stand and my dad actually wasn't out in Tenerife because he couldn't get the time off work. But I um, WhatsApp called my dad and I just said, I don't think I can do this. It's really, really, really hard. And then... Uh, and he 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 changed the session and, and brought the recovery like extended the recovery for me. But that is that is one of my hardest sessions, and and even back home it's really hard because um, it is it's off short recovery, so it's pretty much a walk back with an extra thirty seconds, and um, they probably run at about eighty five to ninety percent. So it is um, yeah, it's speed endurance. So anything speed endurance where I'm going to build up lactic is not nice. Mm. I remember doing a track I haven't done track sessions about two years because whenever I sprint I just pull everything and break but I think we did uh eight lots of 200 meters each one at a hundred percent with about a two minute recovery and the coach actually pulled over a bin to the end of the track and said if anyone needs to throw up I've just got the bin here for you <laughs> but, oh great thanks and it was people were dry heaving after five or six oh. it's the worst thing oh. maybe I'm not training hard enough because I've never been sick after a session Oh, you're definitely not working hard enough. Come on. <laughs> a few mile runs. That's what that's what gets you throwing up. Oh, God. No, thank you. So could you tell us a bit about your future plans then? Oh, gosh. The ideal scenario would be that I um, train uh, really well and I go to the next Commonwealth Games, uh, which is in Birmingham, and it would be another home game. So it would be a really nice, like, rounding off to the sprinting career. At the moment, I haven't got any... I haven't got any plans to go back to bobsleigh at the moment um, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I won't like you can bobsleigh is a very good sport you can go back maybe two years before the olympics and sort of get yourself into that sort of shape well, well hopefully this doesn't jeopardize that <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we, 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 we record and say really nice things if you like and we'll put that one out instead <laughs> everyone everyone in bobsleigh knows how horrid bobsleigh is <laughs> okay. um but yeah, no, I haven't got any plans at the moment of going back. I'm, I'm really happy focusing on athletics. Um, I have had a bit of an Achilles issue, which I'm sure a lot of uh, longer distance guys struggle with. And it's just meant that I've changed my training up a little bit and I'm hopefully getting over that now. So I'll be able to put in some good work towards summer competing. But yeah, the, the aim would be to go to the next Commonwealth Games. Um, I haven't ruled out, I really love learning new things. Um, new sports, new events. So I haven't ruled out learning a new event in athletics, whether that be maybe long jump or I think it's probably a little bit late now after my Achilles problem. But I I really was interested in um, heptathlon. But I'm also not sure whether I would rule out maybe a little bit of sevens. And I think that would really make my dad happy. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's a rugby man and um, yeah, he. I think he would probably love to see me on the pitch at some point. There's a lot of different so, choices there, isn't there? Yeah, it's not bad, <laughs> I know. Is it? I know. 
Like, we combine them all into one sport and it'll be perfect. It'll be very like, dangerous, but <laughs> yeah, a bit of yeah. Well, long jump with a rugby ball and a yeah. yeah and a bit of sprint in it so yeah but they all sort of lend themselves to each other I like doing sports where you can sort of keep your training the same um so with Bob say I didn't really have to change my training too much it was just getting rid of a bit of the distance running which worked perfectly for me but um yeah (laughs) Yeah. longer longer rep running but um but yeah I think that yeah possibly possibly maybe a little bit of rugby if I'm uh if I'm not ready to just get fat and eat cake okay so to finish us off what is the most bullshit thing about sprinting <laughs> what that people think about sprinting or that uh, I think about sprinting well perhaps both I work a lot I work a lot on the media side of athletics um and I do quite a lot of media events and I think that the worst thing about sprinting or sprinters is their use of hashtags on Instagram when <laughs> <laughs> Instagram comes up a lot on the yeah, show. Yeah. Great answer. So uh, so you'll get a lot of hashtag more to come if they haven't if they haven't run as well as they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, or or a little bit of um, hashtag I haven't done speed training yet. So yeah. they <laughs> so you you often get a few of those floating about, which uh, which is great to see. And I like to follow. I like to then switch on my post notifications and follow their season and see if they actually end up doing their speed training or. Yeah. <laughs> They've usually got the season like in the description. Yeah, you know yeah. it's serious. <laughs> yeah, PB wind assisted, all that business yeah. they'll have in their uh, in their. You're going to power of ten, going like, oh, well, no, they haven't yet. <laughs> well, I suppose yeah, exactly. sprinting in a way is it's kind of a very self-orientated very kind of almost a quite selfish sport it's all about yourself and having to self-motivate so I guess there's a lot of inspiration and kind of self-motivation that that people just kind of have to go through yeah and I mean I'm not I'm not opposed to a uh, motivational quote I do love a motivational quote but I feel like I I don't feel like you have to uh, tell everyone how how good you are yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) controversial maybe Oh no, we love that. That's good. So, Mika, thank you so much for joining us and uh, teaching oh, us all you. about sprinting and about your distance training that we'll, I'm sure, we'll sympathise <laughs> with uh, when when we occasionally have to do a short distance, which for us is about 400, and that's about yeah, that. yeah. Think of me when you're on your long reps, yeah, <laughs> running <absolutely>. 30 so, meters. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, all best of luck for this year, and hopefully for the Commonwealth Games in three years' time as well. Oh, thank you. Bye. 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 Well, thank you, Mika Moore. That was a fantastic interview. She was lovely, wasn't she? She was so nice. (laughs) Like, too nice. Why, you know, if that's what Bobsleigh... Bobsleigh makes you that happy. um, I think I'm going to switch to Bobsleigh. (laughs) She was possibly too nice for this podcast, I think. I think so. I think it's something to do with not having to wake up at, like, 5am and run six miles or something you know on a, on a monday yeah. morning her long distance training is 120 meters yeah yeah i, I mean i'm sure wow. that's very hard and it's all relative but i think i'd wake up with a smile on my face if i knew i only had to run that far <laughs> just very fast <laughs> as we said sprinting's not really something that we do much of so if you are out there if you're a sprinter if you prefer the short distances and you think they're bullshit let us know we need to know about it it's all part of running mm-hmm. The competition time, we mentioned this on the last episode. We have a competition, another competition. 
Um, so if you'd like to get your hands on a copy of Run Like Duck by Mark Atkinson, uh, who's at Monty the Mole on Twitter, and also a Run Like Duck multifunctional tube, which is a buff, isn't it? But buff's the brand name, and is that, that what it is? It says on the packet multifunctional tube, and that amused me. Yes, yeah, a multifunctional tube, not a, not a catheter, just a, you know, um, a buff, a buff-like <laughs> thing. So if you'd like the chance to win the book and the tube, send us the name of your running book. So if you were to write a running book, what would the title be? And perhaps a little tagline as well, if you like. Yeah, a little few extra bonus points. Yes, bonus points for a good tagline. The best one will be picked by Mark himself at the end of May. Stuart, have you have you had much thought to what your running book title would be? I would just, uh, I think I'd just go with the the runaway success of this podcast and just call it Running is Bullshit, the podcast, the book. Oh, yeah, all right. Because I'm lazy. <laughs> all right. And I would claim all the rights for myself. Of, of not course. not pay you anything. Uh, well, as you should, because as we all know, my input into this podcast is very minimal. I've typed all of four words into the show notes today. So fair enough, really. Terrific, thank you. If you would like to win the book and the tube, email us at runningisball at gmail.com. Give us the name of your book and a tagline and some other details if you want to. And Mark will pick a winner. And speaking of multifunctional tubes, there may be some podcast-related multifunctional tubes coming in the future. Ooh, Ooh, exciting. If you would like one, let us know, and uh, I might do it a bit sooner if I stop being lazy. If the demand is there, if you build it, they will come. So what's next for you, Stuart? Well, in theory, this will have been the weekend before the podcast is out. I'll be doing Park Runathon, which is something I organise every year for some reason, which is 10 different park run courses over two days, five on Saturday, five on Sunday. However, I have had a bit of the shits today <laughs> and I'm very tired. Oh, God. I just thought I'd share that with you. But in, that that could be a story... Yeah, that could be a story for next time. Yeah. Though. Think of the podcast. Think of the I content. I ain't going to be running all 10. Oh. Definitely not. Let down. I'll, I'm going to go and going to help people. I'm going to support and marshal and point people in the right direction and eat lots of things instead. So that would be lovely. Everyone else will be tired. I'll just feel like shit normally. So that'd be terrific. I think that's very selfish, not putting the podcast first and thinking of the content that could be generated if you if you do run those 10 park, park runs with the shits. Yeah, you th- okay so i'll eat like a just like a, a bucket full of dates this evening and then run as far as i can tomorrow and video the whole thing park runs a farm amy tell us about your thing oh, after, if you can top that I, I can't possibly top that uh worrying about the ultra marathon and sort of finishing my training for it i don't know are you supposed to taper in some way for an ultramarathon i don't really know what i'm doing <laughs> are you supposed to taper for an ultra yeah, yeah. well i don't i don't bloody know well, i'm not going to go out and run like 20 miles the day before but i'm not sure how much you're supposed to taper like you know so well, yeah, obviously you're supposed to taper a bit but you've been tapering for about six months so don't worry about it <laughs> The tape has never, you know, the tape has always been there throughout this training. So I should, my legs should be really fresh on the day. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to find out all about that on the next episode. You're going to talk all about your ultra and if you actually manage to finish it. I'm going to talk all about my ultra I did a few weeks ago. It's going to be a full on ultras of bullshit episode. Though I do recall we've already called one ultras of bullshit. So I don't know what we're going to call that. We'll come up with something. Yeah. We're very clever. Hey. You're literally a doctor. You, you're on top of this. <laughs> don't tell people that. <laughs> 
<laughs> they set the expectations too high. <laughs> if people want to contact us, how do they do that, Amy? Oh, right. So if you're a fan of Twitter, you can tweet us at runningisbs. If you prefer Facebook, running is bullshit. Just put that in the search bar. Should come up, hopefully. Uh, or if you you prefer long form, you know, you want to give us a bit of a story. Give us, you know... Five, if you're old school. Yeah, old school. You can email us, runningisbull at gmail.com. So just let us know what has been bullshit for you this past couple of weeks. Yeah, we're always looking for Chinese running stories, bullshit running news, shit stories that runners world just shouldn't be printing because they're pointless. We want to know why sprinting is bullshit and we want to know the name of your running book. Yes. That is all for us this week. Thank you very much. This has been Running is Bullshit and good luck for your bullshit next time, Amy. Cheers. See you later. I'm clearly not taking it very seriously because I just cracked open a Corona.